everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the Rock Guys Podcast. This is episode 8. We made it to 8. We are king. Episode 8 brings you Judas Priest. You know Judas Priest. He got another thing coming. They also put out like songs like Painkiller, which revolutionized rock. Anyway, they're an English metal band, you know, formed in the UK way back in 1969. That was a long fucking time, folks. That's, yeah, the year I was born. It's arguably one of the greatest and most important bands ever. And the band rose to commercial success only upon releasing their album British Steel in 1980. The band struggled at the beginning, you know, like most bands do, with indifferent record production and the lack of any major success until later. So without further delay, let's get on with Judas Priest and get your rock fix. The Rock Guys. Mmm, the Rock Guys. The Rock Guys. Mmm, the Rock Guys. The Rock Guys. Mmm, the Rock Guys. Judas Priest was formed in Birmingham, England in 1969 by lead vocalist Al Atkins and bassist Brian Bruno Stapenhill with John Perry on guitars and John Feza Partridge on drums. John Perry sadly passed away shortly after by taking his own life. He was only 18. It was tragic. Maybe it's something I could uh, do a special story about. But anyway, we'll see. Kenny, K.K. Downing, just bear with me because I'm just looking at all his initials and it just seems very strange that he's like, but is that just me? But anyway, Kenny K.K. Downing had been one of the guitarists that auditioned but not chosen right away. Instead, they chose to go with Ernest Chatway, who had played with Black Sabbath back when they were called Earth. For more reference to that, please resort to episode six, if you will. The band was named by Brian Stapenhill after the Bob Dylan song, The Ballad of Frankie Lee and Judas Priest. In December of 72, the band enlisted two members from the band Hiroshima, drummer John Hinch and vocalist Rob Halford. Remember that name. John and Rob played their first show with Judas Priest in May 1973 at the townhouse in Wellington. Gull Recording Company was in financial dismay, which in turn created financial hardships for the band and prompted many lineup changes. After their first album, Rockefeller flopped, band members took on part-time work and limited their meals to one a day while they recorded their follow-up album on a budget of only £2,000. And the band recorded Sad Wings of Destiny over two weeks in November and December in 1975 at Rockfield Studios in Wales. The album was released in March of 76 with The Ripper as lead single. The album caught the attention of CBS Records and with the help of a new manager, David Hemmings, the band signed with CBS and received a 63 thousand pound budget for their new album holy jesus man that's like an increase of quite a bit of thousands by breaking the contract with gull the band's first two albums and all recordings including demos became property of gull (laughs) 
Good trade-off, I think. Sin After Sin was released in April of 77 and was the first album with a major label. And the first in 11 consecutive albums to reach a minimum of gold certification. Ooh, Judas Priest kicking it high. In 1978, the band recorded Stained Glass and Killing Machine. And around this time is when the band adopted the Leather and Studs look. The band's playing style grew progressively heavier, thank God, and showed a difference when they played previous studio recordings at their shows. In 1990, Judas Priest were faced with a lawsuit claiming that the song Better By You, Better Than Me contained a subliminal message. The civil action claimed the band were responsible for the suicides involving two young men in 1985 who shot themselves under the chin with a 12-gauge shotgun. Judas Priest co-headlined the 2004 OzFest, being named as the premier act by almost all U.S. media coverage of the event. Along with Queen, Kiss, and Def Leppard, Judas Priest was inducted into the VH1 Rock Honors, and the ceremony took place on the 25th of May in 2006 in Las Vegas. The current lineup includes Ian Hall on bass, Rob Halford on lead vocals, Glenn Tipton on guitars, Scott Travis on drums, Richie Faulkner on guitars, and backing vocals. The discography for Judas Priest is an extensive one with almost 20 studio albums, many more live albums, and you know, we'll get into that later. So the discography, I'm going to change up a little bit because instead of just listing it out, I'm going to maybe give a little detail between each one. Uh, Hopefully that'll add for content. If not, send me a message, say, yo, turn that shit off. All right, just, I need feedback. Otherwise, I can't get better if you're not helping me. Their first album, Rockarola, came out in 1974. Now, don't forget, the band started in 69 and have gone through a lot of shit in between. Rockarola in 1974. Technical problems during the recording made the sound quality suck ass. Producer Roger Bain, who had produced for Black Sabbath's first three albums as well as Budgie's first album had full control over the album and made some decisions that the band really didn't agree on the album flopped the day it came out the band suffered a great loss on this album and almost completely dismissed it sad wings of destiny in 1976 the band struggled financially during the production of this album the group had decided to get serious and took a hiatus from drinking Financially a wise decision as well. The cover depicts the three-pronged cross that afterwards became the band's symbol. Once CBS Records took over, their financial problems were no more. Sin After Sin, 77, the first of their albums under Columbia Records. Well, it was under CBS Records because it was in the UK, but Columbia Records is on the North America side. They couldn't call themselves CBS Records over here because of similarities with another group. The first of their albums under a major record label was produced by Deep Purple bassist Roger Glover. The title was derived from the lyrics of Genocide from their Sad Wings album. Sin After Sin allowed the band to be able to tour into the U.S. Stained Class is Judas Priest's fourth studio album that was released on the 10th of February 1978 and the only album to have a song-written input from each member of the band. Two singles came off this album, Better By You, Better Than Me. 
which happened to be a cover song for the band Spooky Truth, which is also an English rock band. This was also the song that had influenced the suicide pact between the two young men. Uh, the second single on the album was Exciter. Killing Machine was released the same year as Stained Class in October, though, of 78, and featured a more commercial sound. The band also adopted that leather look. When the album was released to the U.S., the name was changed to Hellbent on Leather due to there being the same time frame as the Cleveland Elementary School shooting. Unleashed in the East in 1979 was a live album from their previous tour with Killing Machine. British Steel was released in 1980, Point of Entry in 1981. Screaming for Vengeance came out in 82 and featured the popular song You've Got Another Thing Coming. Defenders of the Earth was released in 84 and Turbo in 86. 88 featured Ram It Down and 1990 featured Painkiller, which was the introduction of Scott Travis as the new drummer to replace Dave Holland, who left the band the previous year. Scott gave an edgier sound with his use of the double pedal bass drums. Jugulator came out in 1997, and it was the first album that featured Tim Ripper Owens as the lead singer. Demolition in 2001 offered Tim Ripper Owens once again. Angel of Retribution in 2005, that was when Rob Halford came back. It became the return to fame and scored number 13 on the top Billboard 200. In 2008 was Nostra which was a double concept album. Last album with K.K. Downing to be on. Redeemer of Souls in 2014 was the number 6 top 200 billboard. Richie Faulkner came on board to replace K.K. Downing for this album. Firepower came out in 2018 and went to number 5 in the first week in the U.S. billboard top 200. Their highest achievement yet. Way to go! So, with all this knowledge, which metal album will I choose? Stay tuned for Metal Album. But first, it's time for Rock Trivia. Rock, 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 rock. Trivia. Here, here, Rock Trivia. It's time once again for Rock Trivia. So I'm not going to make this too, too hard. But what was Judas Priest's first studio album? That's right, it was Rockarola. Yes, K. Metal album. And thank you for staying with me this far. I knew you were my friends. So the metal album I decided to cover would be British Steel. It was their sixth studio album. While many of their albums contained hits and some of their albums are flops, there's always that one album that is defining. And British Steel is that album containing almost a greatest hits list of all their songs. This was a perfect name for the album and is the album that got Judas Priest record recognized in the British metal era, releasing in 1980 and growing more and more popular. The cover depicts a hand holding an abnormally large razor blade with the band name and album title inscribed on it. And upon close inspection, it appears that the blade is cutting into the fingertips 
Although my choice will be questioned by some of the veteran listeners of Judas Priest, I stand by my word, but I will admit the decision for top metal album came close with Defenders and Painkiller taking a very close second. And I know that Jugular, Demolition, and as well as Rock and Roller weren't not even going to make the consideration. But hey, if you think so, change my mind. Send me a message. Maybe we will rediscuss this. The song list for the 1980 US release of British Steel is as follows. Side 1. Yes, you remember this from the other episodes, I hope. Side 1. Breaking the Law. 2. Rapid Fire. 3. Metal Gods. 4. Grinder. Now, we all know Grinder of today as being an app for gay men. It almost seems as the app was named after the song, which Rob Halford will use later on. Number 5. United. And now we flip over to side two, side B, the other side, the dark side. Number six, living after midnight. Number seven, don't have to be old to be wise. Number eight, The Rage. Number nine, Steeler. This album was also ranked number three on Rolling Stone's 2017 100 Greatest Albums of All Time. Wow. Number three. So hey, if you... Think you disagree with me or you think I should probably review something else? Let me know. Just leave me a message on here, a voicemail, or send an email to the Rock Guys Podcast at gmail.com. But for now, I think I hear Bobby. <laughs> Hey, and thank you for sticking around for Bobby's World. And in this episode of Bobby's World, we're going to discuss Painkiller, which is the 12th studio album from Judas Priest. It came out in September of 1990. Now, I know it's not a newer song, but it's not an older song. It was just something that I kind of found intense. And it's not so much, in my point of view, not so much the voice and the singing, but the instrumental magic happening. It's incredible. And especially when the song immediately starts off with Scott Travis's amazing footwork on the double bass drum. It gave the band a deeper, intense sound. And from Rob Halford's power-screaming lyrics to the face-melting solos from Glenn Tipton and K.K. Dowling, this album will surely give any metal fans six minutes of hair-raising metal. Painkiller returned Judas Priest to the cutting edge of metal. The band Death released a cover song compared to be as good as the original. The song featured Rob Halford on vocals, Glenn Tipton on guitar, K.K. Downing on guitar, Ian Hill on bass, and Scott Travis on drums. This concludes another episode of the Rock Guys podcast. I'm your host, Bobby, and tune in next episode for, well, it's going to be a surprise again. (laughs) Please like, rate, share, comment, and subscribe. Help me get back to your ear holes. Stay safe and stay unsober. 